otherwise on SAFM. And welcome to Otherwise from a very warm Johannesburg and uh, Johannesburg Studios, SAFM's Johannesburg Studios and SAFM is Africa's news and information leader. I'm Shadow Twala, my producer in Cape Town, Hazel Makuzeni, and today I work with Wandi Lemakasana on the desk. He's our technical producer. And of course, Buli Kiawa, our executive producer, is also here to assist with uh, our calls and uh, SMSs. My guest in the studio is Lila Brooke, and Lila is um, is a registered dietitian and nutritional consultant in private practice in Elovo, Johannesburg. She joins me in the studio now. Welcome, Lila. Thank you so much for having me today, Shadow. Thank you for taking time out to join us. Now, it's National Nutrition Week. Yes, that's correct. And a lot of people start talking about nutrition. They believe, oh, I've heard this before. Mm-hmm. Don't yes. tell me about what to eat and what not to eat. The attitude is like, what is that? Mm. Not important. I agree with you. And I think it's an unfortunate thing that people have got this nutrition-related fatigue mm. um, because it is so important. And, you know, we were talking about it before we came on air and people do pay much more attention to something like Cancer Week or Heart Health Week, mm-hmm. whereas actually nutrition is a precursor to all of those. Really, you need good nutrition to manage or prevent all of those conditions. So really, it is unfortunate that people don't necessarily always take nutrition seriously. And it certainly is something that can be improved on or addressed. All of us can eat a bit better. There's always something that can be worked on. Now, I read an, an article written by Sipogazi Fugazi earlier, earlier last month, in fact, in Women's Month, that study has revealed that most women are overweight and yes. obese, yes. with almost 60% in the obesity category mm. being women. Now, yes. why do you believe women would be more prone to obesity more than men? I think there's several reasons. I think, firstly, women are more likely to emotionally eat. Um, there's definitely women are more... They tend to go to food for any emotional reasons, so such as depression or anxiety or anything along those lines, whereas men are less likely to do that. There's also a cultural aspect where bigger women, in some cases, are more beautiful, and therefore, or well, that's a perception. <laughs> so, therefore, more, more voluptuous. More voluptuous, mm-hmm. yes, curvaceous. Um, so, it's a case of that women who fall into that category, it's sort of almost celebrated to be mm. bigger. So, that's also an aspect as well. And then I think it's also that women are, because their role is in food preparation and they worry about feeding the family, they are more involved with food often than the, than the men are. And they would eat more? Potentially, yes. Well, I think there's a fine line between what you're describing, which is just plumpy and, yes. and voluptuous yes. and curvaceous yes. and obesity. Sure. I mean, how does one cross that line? Yeah. Well, I think a key thing also, which is also relevant, is that in many cases, and I mean, it's talking about more in sort of the urban environment, there is a move away more from home-cooked meals to more fast food, mm. quick and easy convenience meals, mm. which generally are very high in calories, high in fat, salt, sugar, etc. And so there is definitely a move towards less proper, healthy, home-cooked meals and more unhealthy choices, which is going to push someone more towards obesity. And unfortunately, many of the fast food options are the cheaper ones. So people feel, why should I prepare a whole meal when I can get something ready-made that works out cheaper mm-hmm. or maybe the same cost? Mm-hmm. So I think a problem, a lot of it lies in the costs of foods that we have in this country and the healthy choices and how they are costed if I could put it that way. And we are moving into, I mean, we, we're not eating all the beautiful foods we used to eat that are grown in the garden sure, over, of over the years. 
and and more people say a lot of South Africans mm. uh, are moving towards a Western style sure. um, uh, kind of uh, diet, yes, if you like. Um, would that be some of the causes? That of, would definitely be the case for sure. I mean, you have all these sorts of easily available, quick and easy and unhealthy snacks available, and I often see people walking along the streets giving their kids a packet of chips. Mm. You know, they could easily give their child an apple for mm. the same cost, but multiply multiple more better health benefits but it's not the quick and easy option it's not really available it's not what you can just buy easily on the streets or going into a shop at a garage or something now if you'd like to join us if you are listening to the show zero eight nine one one zero four two zero seven is our number in the studio uh, and you may SMS us on three four seven zero one. It is National Nutrition Week. Does it mean anything to you? What would you like to know from my guest, Lila Brook, who is a dietitian, and uh, she 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 will unpack it more for us. What do you deal with on a daily basis in, at your practice? So it's mainly weight loss, heart disease, high cholesterol, digestive disorders, food allergies. Yeah. All caused by not eating properly. Generally, 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 yes, yes. And that's why one of our key messages for National Nutrition Week is looking at portions or portion caution, oh, as okay. we've called it. Because that is also one of the main reasons why people tend to eat unhealthily, weight problems, all the various health diseases that come from not eating correctly. So that's one of our key messages, which I'd also like to speak to you more about in terms of making sure that people are choosing the right foods but also the right size portions when I was at school they sorry for the interruption Mm. when I was at school they taught us to eat according to the colors you know particular colors yes Um, and that was a long time ago when I was at school I must tell you (laughs) (laughs) but you know they told us to eat in your oranges your greens Do do you still use the same kind of well, there is something Idea. which a concept which I quite like in the, in America, which is called the Rainbow Diet, which is basically that each day of the week you eat a different color fruit or vegetable. So that way you make sure you're getting a variety of the different color fruits and vegetables, and therefore a variety of the different nutrients that will be find, found in those. But different color fruits or vegetables would have different antioxidants and other health benefits. So it is actually very similar. So the portions? The portions, I mean, there's, that is definitely a huge factor in terms of healthy eating, in terms of making sure that you have the right foods in the right quantities. And there are various ways in terms of easy ways to measure your portions without having to bring out a scale or measuring cups. So, for example, a nice way to look at it is, is if you look at your hand, the palm of your hand should be the size of a protein portion. Okay. Okay. So like a piece so of meat, or meat chicken. or chicken, exactly. Or whatever. Yes. Mm-hmm. Your whole palm, okay. Ideally, two whole palms should be the size of your vegetable portion. So ideally, oh, two like full that. palm handfuls should be your vegetables, at least one. Okay. Two, like, di- two different vegetables, maybe a hand each. Yes, exactly. Okay. Or salad or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then the size of your fist is the size of your starch portion. So potatoes or rice or whatever it may be, that should be the size of the starch portion. So that's that's one way to look at it. That's per meal. Per meal, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, or another way to look at you it. You don't have seconds, eh? Mm, <laughs> you don't have seconds of your vegetables. <laughs> or else, if you really like to have seconds, start off with half that. So you know you can have another portion the same. So you have mm. half your palm size of protein, which isn't a lot, 
granted, but then you know you can have another half if you really feel that that's an easier way for you to do it, if you're the kind that always has seconds. Do you find it helps when, when, when people know that it's that simple as opposed to weighing their food? Yes. And, and um, you know, with the different colors as well. Does it yes. help? Yes. I think definitely it, it, um, a lot of people find that that makes it more practical and more makes it more real. You know, when you're looking at a scale or measuring cups, you first you bound to that because you've always got to be weighing your food, but also it doesn't it isn't really practical. If you go to a restaurant or you go to someone's house for a meal, you can't bring your scale, your measuring cups with you. Mm. So you need to develop some other way to be able to identify what a good portion is. Another way to look at it is if is if you look at your plate, half of it should be vegetables, a quarter should be protein, a quarter should be starch. That's how your plate should look. Whereas many people have major, majority of it being starch and then your vegetables are lost in the corner of the plate. And that's not ideally how it should be. We live in a, a, a nation of stark opposites. You know, yeah. while we're talking food and how, many, how, how mm. much portions you should have, mm. we must consider that we have lots of people that are hungry, that go to bed hungry with no food whatsoever. Sure. And yes, we're talking obesity, but, mm. you know, nutrition is, is mainly what we're talking about. What are you? What would you recommend a person who doesn't have a regular income mm. um, for them to be nutritiously uh, healthy? Yes. What 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 sort of things are they eating? Well, ideally, you still want to have that still a lot of the fresh vegetables, still the right amount of starch and the right amount of protein, ideally. Obviously, on a budget, it's not always as practical. So one way to do that, firstly, is in terms of the protein, to stick to more the legumes and eggs. So things like beans, lentils, chickpeas, those sorts of things are generally more affordable. Mm. Those are good low low-cost protein options, and mm. eggs generally are often quite affordable. Um, in terms of the starch, things like millipap is fine, rice, potatoes, all of those are fine, but it still shouldn't be the majority of the meal. I mean, I'm, I'm not talking about obviously someone who is severely underweight. I'm talking about just from a point of view of everyone having a healthy nutritional intake regardless of mm-hmm. budget. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in terms of the vegetables, a lot of communities have really excellent food gardening projects yes. that that really provide great fresh, fresh, locally produced vegetables for the community at very affordable costs. So it's a good thing to look into. There often are those projects going on. And that's also a great way to encourage everybody to eat healthily, especially with kids. Ideally, we should be growing our own in our own backyard. If one can, for in sure. In a little box, you know, a tomato sure. box or yeah. something like that. Yeah, spinaches, cabbages, that also grow very easily. And they easily. grow easily. Mm. In a pot, yeah. As a pot plant. Yes, yeah, sure. Yeah. And it feeds how many people? Like it depends on how quickly they grow. But, you know, um, th- those are some of the, the realities we, we live with where, where most people cannot afford food sure. and the opposite then, you know, yes. abuses yes. food. Yes. yes. How do you know you have a problem when you have been abusing food? Because that realization, especially if you're using it for mm. for other uh, purposes, comfort yes. purposes, yes. how do you know you are abusing food? When well, should you worry? What you can do is you can work out your BMI, which stands for body mass index. What you do is you take your weight and you divide it by your height squared. Okay. So first you work out this, your height squared and you then divide your weight by mm-hmm. your height squared. Mm-hmm. If your and that gives you your BMI. If your BMI is between 20 to 25 or even 18.5 to 25, you're fine. That's in the healthy range. If it's lower than that, then you're underweight. No, you've lost, you've lost me. So okay, so we'll start again. <laughs> we'll start, start again, start again, because I want everybody to understand Okay, this. sure. Yeah. So, 
you ha- so, so you get your height squared, okay? So you how multiply. How do you know how tall I am? Okay, Come so, on. so you go and get your height measured. measured <laughs> yes. So you multiply your height by your height. In other words, so someone mm. who weighs 1.5 meters tall, they go 1.5 times 1.5. They'll need a calculator. Yes. yes. Okay. That value, which I think you know, that's a relatively easy part. You take the weight and you divide it by the value that you've got. Okay. So if you weigh 60 kilos. And your and your height is 1.5. You go 60 divided by 1.5 squared. Okay. okay. Then that value that you get is your BMI. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then that value should be ideally between 20 to 25. If it's 18.5 to 25, that's still considered to be okay. But ideally 20 to 25. Mm-hmm. If it's lower than that, it's considered to be underweight. If your BMI value comes up being between 25 and 30, that means you're overweight. And anything above 30 means you're obese. Okay? So that's one way to do it. A more simple way to do it, if you don't feel like taking out the calculator, is using a tape measure and measuring your waist. So for women, measuring over the narrowest part of your body, which is usually your waist, or the (laughs) narrowest part of the middle, you're not going to do it around your ankle. (laughs) Um, And then for men, measuring around the belly button. And then... That value for men should be below 97 centimeters, and for women should be below 88. If it's above that, then that obviously means, once again, there is a weight issue. That also comes into health as well, that you can have someone who might be on the slim side but might have still a too high waist circumference, which isn't good from the point of view of heart disease. That's also a very good indicator. And I've seen that. I've mm. seen that, mm. that, you know, you small-boned people, mm. and yet yes. would, would have a... Yes. Um, okay. All right, now I, I'm I'm inviting you to call in because I can I can spend my whole program just talking uh, to Lila Brooke, who's our dietitian, because I've got lots of questions to ask her. But if you'd like to ask anything in particular, zero eight nine one one zero four two zero seven is our number in the studio, or you may SMS three four seven zero one. If you are part of those women who believe that, uh, part of that 60%, that is women that are overweight and obese, and I think th- there are dangers, aren't there, mm, Lila? Mm, Let's talk sure. about that. Yes. The dangers of, of obesity is numerous. Um, increased risk of heart disease, cancer, diabetes, high blood pressure, increased risk for surgery. Often you can't have a certain surgery. Doctors tell you to lose weight first. Increased risk of arthritis, joint problems in general. It's there are so it, many. It, it just adds up. Yeah. The the, the, yeah, the bigger sure. you are the, the and when do when does someone then see you? Because it's a lifestyle change though. Mm. And how easy is it to change your whole outlook yes. on on um on, on, on because you, you're changing mm. eating patterns, yes. you're cha- changing hanging out patterns because maybe you hang yes. out with friends that eat certain sure. things. So it's a whole lifestyle change. Sure. You know, I think you know the there obviously are those people that I see who want to lose five kilos, and there's some who want to lose 50. I do think that obviously, different depending on how much weight the person has to lose, or depending on what their specific lifestyle is at the moment, they would have different needs or different ways to go about it. But specifically, what is important in terms of the general sort of um, process of a lifestyle change is if you are someone that is very sort of resistant to change, start slowly. Don't now go and cut out everything and go to restrictive because that's not a lifestyle change. Start slowly by cutting out maybe having 
fat-free milk instead of full cream. Maybe cutting down on the amount of oil used for cooking, that sort of thing. But I hear fat-free and all of those zero uh, drinks and mm. all of that are not good for you. Well, fat-free milk and artificially sweetened drinks, I mean, there's two different things. So the artificially sweetened drinks, obviously, that can have an issue for those people who are concerned about artificial sweetness. And yes, if you, if you are concerned about it, it's best to avoid. Mm-hmm. However, in terms of fat-free milk, there's no health detriment in that respect. Because if you think about how milk is produced, when the cow is milked, that, that what settles on top is the cream. Mm-hmm. Depending on how much of that cream is removed, you get full cream, low fat, or fat-free milk. So there certainly is no negative health effects from having fat-free milk. It just means more cream has been removed. But the only disadvantage is that you're getting less of the vitamins that would be in the cream itself. But those vitamins you get from other places. You don't have to rely on fat-free milk for that. Okay, but that's with the milk. Uh, Everything else, though, one, one, because apparently with, with, with yogurt and stuff like that, if, if it's, it's a, a, a a low fat yogurt, it's Mm -hmm. not necessarily as healthy as, as, uh, or they add other ingredients to it. Well, you know, the thing is that, unfortunately, you take something out, you have to put something else in. Exactly. So often fat-free yogurt, for example, when they put that in, they might add a little bit more stabilizer, so more Mm. cornstarch or something like that Mm. to keep its thickness. But if that's something that you're concerned about, you can just get, there are yogurts available that are plain, fat-free, nothing extra added, just the yogurt. Okay. Mm. I think we have a call. Mm. Is, 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 Is it a call? Let's talk to Barbara Hines. Hello, Barbara. Hello. Hi, Barbara. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for having me. We, we, we told you lost 85 kilograms. Wow. Yes, that's correct. Now, tell us how you did that. Well, I think it got to the point I, I went on the Wayless um, eating plan, um, which is healthy eating. Um, I, I went on this about four years ago, um, four and a half years ago. So I've been at my goal weight for about two and a half years now. It took me two years to lose it. Um, and I'm extremely healthy and happy that I did. That's really excellent. But, but now tell me, how, how you say it took you two years to do all of this, but why, why were you obese in the first place? I mean, why were you fat in the first place? Do you, do, have you worked it out so that you don't go back there? Well, it's a matter of, I mean, I love food. I like lots of food and good food, and it was a matter of um, giving up all the crash diets because I was just so tired of, in my 20s, I've, I've always struggled with my weight. I always put on weight easily. I've always overeaten, um, and I, I ate a lot, and I think I got so tired of the crash diets, one sad diet after another where it's non-sustainable, and I got to my late 20s and I thought, well, I'm not going to do all these, I'm not going to feel guilty anymore and um, gave myself permission to eat whatever I wanted to. And as a result, the weight just crept on. You know, you don't go from a size 2 to a size 20. It's, it's um, slight. So your weight creeps up and creeps up and you get used to it and you move to another size until you turn around one day and and you are obese and you are middle-aged and you look at, you, you start worrying about whether you're going to have a heart attack or whether you, you know, you, you can't get down on the ground and play with the kids and, 
um, and I needed to do something about it. And I knew I couldn't go on any more crash diets, and I knew the only way for me was to go on a healthy eating plan, uh, which was why I joined Wayless, and I took it one week at a time. But you must have you must have had a a, a, a mental uh, a, a, a mental preparedness uh, uh, thing to go through because you don't just wake up one morning and go okay fine I'm now big enough I'm ready for way less and this is what I'm going to do you know uh, the, the must what 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 snapped I want what to know what was sort of the aha moment um, I think it was middle aged and I think it was looking at my my adult daughter and thinking she was going to get married and um, what happens when I'm a grandmother one day and what if I had a heart attack and I wasn't around for my children and my grandchildren um, and I must be honest when I first walked into the Wayless group I hadn't got this complete mindset I wasn't really sure that I could do it but once I started eating the food and realizing that it was good, healthy food and um, normal portions and I wasn't ever hungry, I realized I could do it. And I, I didn't look at two years down the line. I just looked at one week, and I did it one week at a time. I don't think it's got anything to do with whether you've got willpower or not to do it. It's whether you're ready to make the change or not. And possibly that's where I was. I was ready to make the change. Are you still on, on the same diet? Well, I'm not on the losing diet anymore. I'm just on a maintenance diet. So it's just normal, healthy eating. Um, I don't think I could eat unhealthily anymore. I just don't enjoy unhealthy, fatty, greasy foods. So... Um, I just do automatically make healthy choices. Wayless teaches you how to lead a normal life and eat healthy food, which is what I do, and I really enjoy it. Tell me your typical uh, meal. What did you eat this morning? Um, I'm sort of a creature of habit, and during the week it's just easier leaving for work early. I would eat all bran, milk, and a banana chopped into it. Um, at tea time, I would probably have um, an apple and a fat-free yogurt. Or the are days, I'd have a skinny cappuccino in place of a yogurt. <laughs> um, and lunchtime, a sandwich. Um, so it's just what's, really... What's, what's the filling of your sandwich? It changes. Um, smoked chicken and lettuce and tomato or avocado. I love avocado and lettuce and tomato. So that kind of that that generally is my filling. On a weekend, my I change it because then I'm at home and it's it's different food. You know, I can toast food or it's more accessible to make a pasta salad or that type of thing. But generally during the week, that's what I would eat. What do you do for comfort food? Um, you know, I've got to be well. I think probably my best comfort food is soup at night. Um, that might, might sound strange, but a nice big hearty bowl of chicken soup um, or pea and ham soup, something like that is really comforting and I really enjoy. So I think my choices have changed a lot. I look at food in a different way. What maybe was comfort food before isn't comfort food now. Mm-hmm. And how has this affected your family and, and eating together? 
Well, it's affected everything dramatically. I think possibly because the biggest thing that I got back was me and my self-confidence. So mm. being a happier, a happier me in myself, um, and my energy level is so much better. I was tired all the time. Um, so now I think being able to go and do the 702 walk the talk with my daughter, so it's, it's, it's made my family life. I'm able to participate more, being able to go shopping or going out for walks or camping or gardening, anything. It's just completely opened up and changed my life. It's changed your life, I can tell, Barbara. Thank you so much for sharing that story with us. And and, and stay healthy, hey? Thank you for having me. Thank you, Barbara Hines. Lost 85 kilograms. Now, when we come back... I will look at your SMSs, but remember, Leila Brooks, Brooke is still in the studio with me, uh, and we'll answer your questions that you have on SMS, and we'll take uh, more of your calls. But right now, it's time for news headlines with Utsile Sako. Otherwise, on SAFM. Right, it's National Nutrition Week. Lala Brooke in the studio with me. She's a dietitian and we're taking your SMSs and we'll get back to talk about Barbara in a bit. Is it preferable to have three square meals a day or to rather have many smaller meals throughout the day? That's an SMS. I think that's a very common question and a lot of it does depend on lifestyle. So the ideal is the five to six small meals a day that does help to boost your metabolism and also prevent you from getting too hungry for the next meal. But at the same time, what is important to bear in mind is that some people's schedules don't allow for that. Mm -hmm. So really the ideal is to look at what suits your lifestyle the best. If you don't have time for snacks, rather make sure that you're having those three meals a day but having healthy ones. Mm -hmm. If you are able to have five to six small meals a day, then that's ideal but small meals a day means small meals a day mm. not having you know <laughs> five times the size of a normal meal squished into one each time you eat so it's it's obviously got to be realistic in terms of what is considered to be a small meal which is about 300 calories okay yeah. but i like that analogy with your hands and things mm. can we apply the same portion size to toddler meals and that's nasleen benoni yes so that actually that does apply to toddlers as well but if you think about it the bigger we are the, in terms of height and body frame, the bigger your hands will be. So to mm. use that sort of measure applies mm. whether you're a child, whether you're an adult, male, female, it doesn't matter. So for children, obviously, they need less food and their hands are smaller. So it does actually work and fits regardless mm. of age. Mm. I know um, if, when I was, again, at school, when we were all worried about our body shapes and sizes, mm. Uh, there were girls who then decided to go on what they called a liquid diet, mm. um, where you know they 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 juice their food mm. and Lovely. soup their food. Yes, because the idea was when you've given yourself liquid for over two weeks, then your stomach gets smaller. Then it's harder, makes it harder for you to eat heavy food for the first week. For the, oh, is it for the first week? <laughs> this way um your stomach doesn't change size mm. it's a muscular organ so when people say their stomach shrinks it's not so much that their stomach is actually changing size really but more that the stomach is just getting used to a smaller quantity or a bigger quantity depending on how much you've been eating okay so having a liquid diet there's a few things wrong with it number one is not sustainable mm. you can't always do that 
Number two, if you're having, you know, a chocolate cake and you're blending it up into a milkshake, it's obviously not going to be it's not going to be better absorbed or anything, you know. It'll just be less less filling and less sort of satiating. But when you chew, that's when you feel like you've actually had a meal. When you don't chew, you feel like you haven't eaten. Mm. You know, you can't just drink. And then also a problem with that is that you know those the, it falls into a similar category as those sort of juice fasts, mm. which once again is not practical. It's deficient in various nutrients. If you're doing that sort of thing, if you're just having juices, you're not getting protein, you're not getting enough carbohydrates, you're not getting fat. So really, there's no point. Rather, it's better to just eat a healthy, healthy diet, keep to a regular healthy balance, and that's really the best way to do it. Um, on the other hand, there are people who have gone for an operation to, to uh, make their tummies smaller. Gastric bypass, yes. What do you call it? The gastric bypass. Gastric bypass. Yes. And does it help? What are the dangers of doing that? Because well, if, yeah. if, 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 if psychologically you, you, you have a connection to food and, yes. you know, um, does it help? Because you say the stomach is going to get used to what you eat anyway and grow back if there's anything like it. Yes. Well, it won't necessarily grow back. You see, in that case, you are actually you are changing the volume that your stomach can have. As mm. well, in a normal stomach, you know, it will it will contract and, and exactly. Um, so, in the case of that operation, it does help for those people who are very much obese. It won't be done in someone who needs to lose a few kilos. It's someone who really need to lose a good 50, 60, 70 kilos or more. Mm. Or if they've got, or if they're very overweight and also have a lot of health conditions with that, that would be improved by losing weight. But the problem with that is there are a lot of side effects. Um, firstly, the amount you can actually consume at a time is very small. It's about the size of a ping pong ball. It's really not a lot. And um, it's very difficult for people who are not used to eating such small quantities to actually decrease mm. those quantities. Um, also, another problem with that is because people who are, who are big enough to warrant having that surgery are also surgery risks. That can also be an issue as well. So there are a lot of risks or health risks that come with the operation, and it certainly shouldn't be, it should be a last resort, really. Kathy hmm. in Johannesburg. Hello, welcome. Hello, hi. Um, I don't never eat during the day. I, I just usually have nuts and raisins. Is that a good idea? I have a teaspoon in, in my box, and I just sort of dip in and take a teaspoon of, of of nuts and raisins, and then that satisfies me for another hour or two, and then I maybe have another one. Is that all right? And How much nuts and raisins do you think you end up having for the day? <laughs> oh, um, probably about half a cup. I don't have all that much. As I say, it's a small teaspoon. Uh, it's an ordinary teaspoon. And I just sort of take a teaspoon at a time. I don't count it up or anything. Sure. I just, one teaspoon sort of satisfies me for an hour or two, and then I take another one if I want it. And then what do you usually eat then in the evening? Well, my daughter cooks supper, and um, it's, you know, meat and two veg and, and some rice or potatoes yes. or something like that, and that's it. So the problem with doing that is, as you say, you're not 100% sure of how much you're having. Yes. And, you know, firstly, you may end up having more than you think. Uh, see. Or also the problem is that because you're really eating really during the day, come the evening, it's your only real meal of the day, and you might overeat because you land up being hungrier than you would be if you had been eating better meals during the day. Mm. And then also the problem is that it kind of, it doesn't really sort of fuel your body correctly in terms of your body's not getting 
the right amount of nutrients throughout the day. You, you're just getting, like the fruit's going to give you some carbohydrates, and then that will give you a little bit of protein, but mainly fat. But it's kind of a little bit off balance in terms of yeah. how the balance should Is be. Is that why one sort of feels flat? You probably would feel very flat, I'm sure, especially in mid-afternoon. You must feel exhausted. Yes, yes. Yes, yes that's true. Yeah. So if you ate better throughout the day, you wouldn't have this dip that, that comes mid-afternoon. And you probably find that if weight's a concern, it would help with your weight as well. Energy's a concern, it would help with that as well. So it would definitely help in all sorts of respects. So now instead of the nuts and raisins, would it be better to have a slice of bread with some cheese on it or something definitely, like Definitely, definitely. It will hold you up longer, yes. Exactly. Oh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Sorry about that. <laughs> <You> <laughs> <say so. laughs> Thank you. Thanks for your call. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. What about sna- snacking, though, and nibbles? You know, she's nibbling on, mm. on, on, on peanuts and, and, and raisins. And people snack a lot. Sure. So I think that it depends on whether you're looking at snacking, that's sort of five to six meals a day, where you're having three meals and three snacks versus nibbling type snacking throughout the day. Because the, the three snacks a day, that's not like you're just nibbling, nibbling, nibbling. That's like you have a fruit or you have some crackers with cottage cheese or a slice of bread with cheese or chicken or avo or something like that. But it's not about having, for example, you know, kind of similar to what Kathy was saying, where you just have something on your desk that you're eating throughout the day. Mm-hmm. That's not kind of healthy snacking. Mm-hmm. So the problem with that is that also you're not really listening to your body when you're hungry. You just kind of get a habit. There's a packet of nuts there you just take as you go along. You're not really focusing on the correct quantity or the right balance. It's just there. You see what I mean? Again, change of lifestyle. We're Definitely. so used to eating what we see or when other people eat. Um, how do we become a conscious nation of, of uh, eaters mm. um, to know even when you go to a restaurant how to choose the right sure. restaurant to go to and how, how just not to go uh, to a fast food place, mm. nice once in a blue moon, yes. but not something you do uh, yes. every Sunday morning? Sure. Or yeah, well, I think in terms of eating out, it's always difficult, especially if you go with people who you usually eat very badly with. And a lot of people have those friends that they can't go out and just have a salad. They've got to have, you know, extra cheese and extra cream. And otherwise a friend might get upset. Mm. Um, And it's a case of that still making the right choice regardless of what restaurant you're in. Even fast food restaurants to an extent, you can still make good choices to an extent. It's not Mm. always easy. Mm. So, for example, choosing sauce on the side, dry grilled vegetables rather than starch, choosing the vegetables carefully as well. So if the vegetables are pumpkin and spinach, rather avoid it because there might have sugar and cream in there, you might as well have a dessert. And this is really no point. Um, so choosing the right choices. And also this is where the portion comes in as well. Because very often restaurant portions are huge. So if the portion comes and it's bigger than you would usually eat, bigger than you'd usually have at home, ask for a doggy bag for half of it, even ideally before you start eating. They will think you're crazy, but at least you'll be having the right portion size. <laughs> so say, please can you take us away, give me one chicken breast instead of two, and I'll take the other one home. And then you've got lunch for the next day, and you don't have to worry about overeating. I want you to tell us, it's National Nutrition Week. What should we be looking forward to? What should we be participating in? I know, as we said, people hear nutrition and think, oh, boring, I'm being told to eat all my vegetables mm. again. Mm. Uh, the The... The, what's available out there that we, yes. must, we, we must pick up and, 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 and read about or, mm. 
or practice even yes. at home because it starts at home. Hey? Yes, We've definitely. socialized into eating yes. the way we do and having the risks we have, the high yes. blood pressure, the cholesterol sure. problems, you know, yes. what we complain about and as women end up as obese. Yes, well, I think a big concern really is that they, if people are kind of feeling a bit sick of the nutrition messages, but at the same time we still have this problem with obesity and overweight in this country, that obviously there's a disconnect. People either know the information and aren't listening to it, or they don't have access to the information and therefore don't know about it. Mm-hmm. So that's why National Nutrition Week is important, to emphasize various health messages so that these sorts of concerns can get out there. So like in past years, for example, we've done breastfeeding awareness and um, healthy eating for kids, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And it is very important that we do look at our lifestyles and what we can do that's practical. And you were saying it starts at home. So in the case of kids, that's where it starts. You were saying a lot of, mentioned a lot about when you're at school, mm. the messages that you got from people around you at school. And they're still with me up to now. They are, <laughs> exactly, them, yeah. exactly. They stick with you, especially if it was during very formative years mm. when you heard that stuff. Mm. So it's important that as parents, you set a good example for your kids, but also make sure that you're educating your children as best as possible. Many schools do have good health programs now where they're teaching nutrition more, but the best thing they can do is learn at home. If they see you eating healthily, then they will follow. You can't expect your child to eat fruits and vegetables if you don't. And it is so important, especially when you consider that these, um, the stats in the National Health Nutrition Survey that was done, that did find that the rate of obesity and overweight in children is also increasing. Sure. So it is a problem. But, you know, food is like money. We don't mm. like talking about it, especially when you don't have it. <laughs> and if you don't have it, you don't want to show how much you don't have it. Sure. And... Um, and you gobble down as much, you spend as much and eat as much, you know, if, if you don't have it. So mm. there, there is a psychological uh, um, message that happens mm. when you talk of having too much food or lack of, mm. um, as, as in money. Mm. How do we make sure during this nutrition week we also deal with the psychological yes. uh, impact of, of, of eating? Yes, I think that is very important. And... You know, it's it's so hard because it's so ingrained in us. And just like you were saying, those messages that you picked up at school, similarly, they, all those sorts of things often come from childhood. Things like being told to finishing every, finish everything on your plate. That can stay with people for years, mm. if not their entire life. You know, um, and you feed it to the dog under the table. Yes, exactly. <laughs> sometimes <laughs> outside. <laughs> um, I did my master's on body image in uh, eight to nine year old girls. And I never forget, there was this one girl who, there was a question that I asked them whether they eat if they're sad. So she said, I don't, but my mother does. So I said, oh, okay. So she says, yeah, because a chocolate is a girl's best friend, so cure for a broken heart. Oh, my goodness. And where does she pick that up from, other than her mother? You know, so it's all those sort of things get picked up very easily. Your child sees you eating emotionally when you're feeling frustrated or sad or irritated or bored or whatever it may be and that's what they learn so it's about setting a good example and the best way to deal with emotional eating I think is to keep a food diary write down what you ate what time you ate how you're feeling at the time and see if patterns emerge maybe you always find that after dinner you feel like a nibble because you're feeling exhausted and you feel you deserve it after a hard day oh I was watching Nigella and she opens the fridge at midnight it's better to not watch (laughs) cooking programs that's always a good solution yeah but now she's lost a lot of weight Nigella so I don't think she opens the fridge much (laughs) 
other reasons. <laughs> no, she lost weight, I think, before. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, but yeah, there the must be the, the must be um, room for psychologists or yes. psychiatrists. So that's why to if you look at sure. So if you feel that you have severe emotional eating issues that you feel are very much ingrained, if you feel that you're even on the brink of an eating disorder, which is also possible, then it is a good idea to consult with a psychologist who can help you deal with those issues. Okay, we're going to take a break and come back to tell you exactly where you can go to find more information, what is happening in and around your area uh, around Nutrition Week, and we'll lead you to some websites uh, after this. The Internet is changing lives in Africa. How has the Internet impacted your life? Share your story by the end of October and you could receive $25,000 in funding. Luckily for me, I was introduced into Internet. You can actually learn everything. The transformation in my life has been awesome. Visit www.africaconnected.com for more details. Africa Connected. Success stories powered by the web. An initiative by Google. Congratulations, Mrs. Abrams. You are now a homeowner. Yes, I am. We'll host dinner parties. Or we'll get dogs. But what if they take up the garden and uncover something? Like an ancient burial ground. And the ghosts keep knocking our vases over. Um, uh, sorry, ma'am. Um, here's the front door key. Life changes. So why not get the first ever life insurance that changes as your life does? Love change. Go to brightrock.co.za or speak to your financial advisor. Brightrock, underwritten by Lombard Life as an authorized financial services provider. This Thursday on Top Billing, we catch up with top electronic act, Good Luck, as we take our studio into the great outdoors of Namibia. On Top Billing. We dine with Sir David Clough, put fashion bloggers to the test, and... Catch how Costa Iwana prepares for his wedding. MMA star. Only on Top Billing. <laughs> That's Thursday night, 8.30. Stay with SABC3. Otherwise, on SAFM. And my guest, uh, Lila Brooke, in the studio with me. You know, I was reading something that uh, was, was scary, that a household is classified as being food secure, as being at risk of hunger, or as experiencing hunger. Yes. How scary is that? Yes. You need to come back, because we need to start looking at That's food pleasure. security <laughs> yes. in South Africa. We're talking yes. nutrition, but... There's a disparity between, yes. you know, uh, there's some people that can't help themselves. Yes. Then they turn to alcohol. Yes. Because uh, they say it keeps your tummy warm or keeps you warm while you do. It messes some, up your blood sugar it, more. It, but it, it messes <laughs> up everything, but yes. at least you don't feel as hungry, others say, you know. That's for another day, though. Mm -hmm. It's nutrition week, mm -hmm. but we need to come back and talk about um, those those <laughs> statistics that I've just talk, talked about. Yes. Um, what can we expect? Where do we go to find more information on things available? Information available. Yes. I know government is behind this yes. this week, um, yes. big time. Yes. What else is there? Um, I'm here on behalf of ADSA, which is Association for Dietetics in South Africa, mm -hmm. and um, in partnership with the Department of Health um, in terms of also with Milk SA, the Consumer Good Council of South Africa, we all together are looking at the whole nutritional aspect of National Nutrition Week. Mm -hmm. And what is very important is to look at it as a combined effort, as you were saying, and to really look, oh, sorry, also the Heart Foundation as well is also involved. Yes, yes. <laughs> they have um, to be. <laughs> um, to look at it as a combined effort as mm. well. So to look at it as what we can do as a community and also what we can do on an individual level as well. Okay. And where you can go for more information is nutritionweek.co.za. Mm-hmm. 
And you can also go to the ADSA website. That's ADSA. ADSA. Dot org dot za. That's not ABSA Bank, but ADSA. A D for Dolly. Yes, D for Dolly, D for Delta. Yeah, ADSA.org.za. .org.za. Loved your presence here. Thank you very much. And thanks for sharing your time. Thank you. Um, I I had another question, but we've run out of time. Okay, thanks for sharing your time. (laughs) And that's Nutrition Week. CO.za and ATSA, A-D-S-A dot org dot Z-A. It is now time for our children's program.